glad to see you can crack the ice and make it to this, the Hidden Grid. Join me for the next 38 minutes or so as we get up to date on what's new and happening in the world of Shadowrun. And now for the news, folks. Number one, there are two new books that have come out this since the last time I've talked to you guys, which are both Ghost Cartels and Feral Cities. Now, I haven't had a chance to get either one of these and review them yet. Not that my reviews have been timely or in any way, shape, or form consistent lately. We will, in fact, be working on getting that taken care of. I'm also looking at doing a separate feed of just the reviews. How about you guys get in there and tell me what you think of that. And speaking of which, okay, folks, when I said we, there's another person here that is going to be helping at the Hidden Grid, and his name is Exodus. You know, I really, I really resent being uh, number one, part two. I am going to place myself above that because, you know, really, the new books, they're pretty, they're pretty good and all, but we don't know anything about them yet, so I think, uh, I think I'm way cooler than they are. I am running out of Las Vegas, and we have just started a Shadowrun game about two weeks ago. So to help out the people like my group that haven't played much, I'm looking at making making us making us more new user friendly. I don't know, that's about it, I guess. Well, that's actually one of the things that we had talked about a lot was uh trying to get this back to a more new user friendly. Somebody on the forums actually had said something to me about that because the first couple of episodes I talked about things like getting started and blah 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 and then I haven't done anything with them since then so and you talked a lot about how to get how to make, pull your ideas into the game and how to draw ideas from movies but not how to use any of those ideas that is true so I will, in fact, be working on uh, helping us to get back into that early early beginnings, new players, and, and getting all of that set up. Because, like I said, we really needed to, to bring this back. And actually, Spectre 8 is actually the person that came in and said something about bringing in some of the newer elements of the the game for people. So, because he's a new player or game master, I'm not sure which yet. And speaking of the forums, let's see, who all is new now? Well, there's Digital Doom. There is Nightlife. There is Prime Mover. I'm not sure if I included Red Cap the last time. 
Spectre Raid is a new one. And, you know, you Exodus. Yes. Being new in the forums. So, those are all the new people that have joined since the last time I think we got the feed up and running. So, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, play a little promo, and then when we come back, we are going to get into the topic of an intro to shadow running, folks. This Modern Death, a podcast about traditional games, indie games, and segues. Is it a segue, Randy? You, you know, it's not a segue if you point out that we segued from one topic into the next. In fact, that is not a segue at all. But, but on the paper, it, it, that's it, the it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's, it doesn't matter what's on the paper at all. Everybody's mean to me. Find us on the web at www.thismoderndeath.com. For the player section, since we are doing this fun and lovely player section and GM section. Today, for the player section, we're going to start with what is a Shadowrun? A Shadowrun, according to the definition of every edition prior to this, is any movement, action, or series of such made in carrying out plans which are illegal or quasi-legal. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, Exodus, what do you think that means? Well, I mean, realistically, it would be anything you can get anyone to pay you for that you're not supposed to be doing. Exactly. That's what I would use it for. Anyway, that's how I see it. Because a lot of a lot of things that people or that uh, books have said, a lot of the books have really meaningless stuff happen at the beginning. You know, a I forgot one of them was like breaking into a candy store or something. Just this insignificant, tiny little thing that gets blown out of proportion. Yeah. Could still be a Shadowrun. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, the old food fight. Right. Uh, from previous editions. And actually is in the Quick Start rules that you can download for free off of their site now. Has it has actually brought that back because it was such a great way to introduce people to the conflict mechanic of combat. Now, all of that being said about what exactly a Shadowrun is, is all well and good, but it's the people that the players themselves are playing. Those characters are what really make a Shadowrun possible. Now, other games have classes... Shadowrun has used several different terms over the the over the time frame, and I think now they're 
they're back to not even calling them anything. I, I think they they used to be called archetypes. And now they don't even include what that is. They, just oh, they say, have students, would you please turn your Shadowrun 4th edition book to page 18. There's a section on basic runner types, but it's it's very basic and it's it tells you what different very general vague terms of what everything is unlike most other games where in Dungeons and Dragons you'll have a wizard and that's that's what he is in Shadowrun a mainly skill based system you can overlap your character amongst many different kinds of characters and theoretically could have a face magician hacker rigger that could do almost everything but wouldn't be very good at any of those things so most people's main goal would be to get their yeah customize their team and give everybody a little bit of something so that if say your main hacker is out of commission or off doing something else you have a mini hacker to do something little or your main face is out doing you know doing talking to people like they need to be you don't want everyone else to be total jackasses in front of everyone yeah and also you don't want there's a thing called spotlight time and Every character has their moments to shine. I really think that just because somebody has a really good place to shine doesn't mean that other people can't shine as well. So, yeah, like you were saying, you may have, you know, a guy who can pick up the little bit of stuff that the hacker can't finish or he's off doing something else or, like you said, with the face... Now, all of those are great. And having, you know, like a magician around who most of them tend to be fairly charismatic because it's fairly important to them for conjuring and things of that nature. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a nice etiquette skill to go along with that. Correct. But they have the base. Right. They have that base underlying ability because now with the way the dice mechanics work, you have an attribute plus a skill, where before it was just a skill, and the attributes didn't really matter in the very early editions. You right. have a 28 in something and be rolling an ungodly number of dice. Which well, now have, the, now we have godly numbers of dice. Well, it's it's a whole lot better than literally picking up 20 dice to roll. I like to roll dice, and 20 dice is a lot of dice to roll. But let's say, you know, we have basically six main archetypes, what you call them. The, the street samurai, which in my... Uh, my definition is anything that 
holds a gun or has uh, any sort of cyberware making them what you know the ancient Japanese would have said would be their main you know their main warriors you know people with physical and mental combat strength yeah actually and that's one of the things that in some of the other versions the samurai was always just a combat monkey so you all of your physicals are through the roof and everything else is through the floor and a true samurai was you know mentally physically and a lot of them were you know like top of the game right in mentals and physicals but they also saw the soul as being very integral right so they would do things like art writing haikus i mean those were all things that samurais did and calligraphy calligraphy oh yeah and you know a lot of people will neglect to do those simple little things that make a samurai truly a samurai not just well as i like to call them the gun bunny right and even in the main book it says they attempt to be the quickest meanest and strongest killing machines on the streets whereas realistically if that's all they could do you don't you wouldn't want to be a street samurai that your entire goal in life was to kill every single thing that moved, you wouldn't get too far in life. No, because as soon as you started killing things like that, you have the police. And people you shoot have friends and family and, you know. Vendetta. Yeah, it's it's just not, it's not feasible to be a purely combat or only oriented type person. Well, not unless you want to die very quickly. Well, and then, then we have the magicians, which are basically samurai. Instead of being combat ready, they are mentally adept and basically trained to do a wide variety of things, trying to bring everything together that any that no one else can do. Yeah, well, your your magicians are are so intricate to a team, but the thing is that you don't have to have one in every team. the The problem is is that most of these you have people that don't realize that the actual demographics from other editions pretty much laid out that. One in 10,000? It's it's absurd. Actually, I don't even think it's that high. I know in the first editions, it was one in a million were magically active. And then they broke it down further to... And they said in that, out out of every 100 magicians, so out of every 100 million people, you have... What is it? Like... 10% 10% are what are now called expected magicians. They're not full, they can't, you know, access the astral in the same way. They can only perceive it. 
they can't do they couldn't there were several things that they could only do they could only learn one magical skill right and um, I, I think that most people they don't ignore that but they you know realistically a lot yeah, of these they, magicians are going are not going to want to go by the legal definition of what a magician is and will gravitate towards either a a wage mage you know a corp a corporate paid magician so they can do what they want with their magic or they'll gravitate towards being a shadow runner because if you want to use your magic your every time you use an illegal spell is running the yeah. shadows i mean you're sacrificing your safety every time you do it so a lot of them tend to gravitate towards things like this because it's not legal to go around power bolting everything. So I think exactly. that it, I think that that kind of makes up for a little bit of the huge rarity of it is made up a little bit because it's just something Pete, you know, if you are good with computers, you'll you'll gravitate towards a hacker archetype and typically the better you are with a computer, the more you want to do with it. And the more illegal the stuff you want to do gets. So we have lots of hackers wanting to run shadows. Right. Which is the next right. archetype is hackers. Is it still a segue and if I say it's a segue? That is a segue. <laughs> Even That was a very good segue, by the way. Uh, I'm not very good at segueing. Anyone that's ever listened to any episode can tell that I don't segue very well. But as... We were talking abrupt changes, right? But as we were talking, you know, it's hackers are basically they can do. They're like magicians; they can do almost anything nowadays because of the way the wireless works. It's you know their their job everywhere, right? Yeah they they are the the elite. And if you need anything done electronically, that's that's where you go. They call it a an offshoot of hackers would be riggers, which you know deal with vehicles. Yeah, it they're not very well integrated together, but they're not really very separated very well either. It's kinda like a hacker part B. Yeah. They, because because yeah. now there's two types of riggers. You have your vehicle rigger and then you have your spider. Right. And your spider rigger deals in strictly security. Right. And ways of breaking security. Right. And that's what they do. They're and, really, really good at it. And they're, they're basically, you know, half hacker, half rigger. Yeah. And, yeah because they, they learn how to take over yes. a building right. or multiple buildings right. and turn that into their network that they're managing basically. And you know, for, for your team, you know, we've gone over samurais, hackers, riggers, and magicians, you know, you're going to need somebody that is able to wield a gun. Well, in situations that, you know, go to hell, that's going to happen. You're going to want someone that can, Ashley perceive, Ashley project for, you know, legwork for, 
spirits they can summon, for spells they can cast. They can do such a wide variety of things. It's hard not to have one because they can do so much. Your hackers you're going to need because, well, if you want to get with all the cameras they have nowadays, you're going to want to be able to hack the cameras, get give false documents, and, you know, you don't want some somebody driving your car that now, since they can be the car, you know, why would you want somebody to drive it physically when they can drive it with their mind? And with and drones, drive it fast, they, right. they can drive it better. Right. And because you're, you're moving at the speed of thought, not the speed of I can move my hand forward or backwards right. and spin the wheel left and right. right. And it would be hard to control, you know, look how hard it is to manually control, you know, little helicopters that you buy at the store. Well, now you can jump directly into those, you know, your roto drones or your crawler drones and send them to where they need to go to get, to get information. One of the things I I like if I was playing a rigger and augmentation, they've got a drone hand. You can take your hand off and let it crawl around and gather information. I mean, it's, Things like that that make a drone a drone rigger very very powerful asset. A lot of again a wide variety of things they can do. Yeah, it's that's one of the things. Most of the archetypes themselves are very they're very open, so that very you can go in and you still have a lot of customization. Where as in other systems, you have you know. I am Fighter. <laughs> you know, that's all that he can do. And I am I am Fireball person. Right. I can cast Fireball Firebolt 7 times a day. And, then and that's I have to... all that I know how to do. Right. You know, and in in Shadowrun you don't have that. Everybody has to be able to do a little bit of everything. Right. And and you don't want to have And like that, you know, magicians, there are Adepts who are, instead of outwardly focusing their magic, they inwardly focus their ma- magic. Examples, you know, Bruce Lee, etc., et that are able to magically enhance their physical abilities. And then there are uh, mystic adepts, we call them physical mages, phys mages, who can do both, but not quite as good as either the magician or adept could do themselves. Right. That's, that's the versatility. And they're fairly rare. Yeah, very, very rare. So. But again, you know, if, if you did have that ability and you wanted to use it, there's only one way really to use it, and it's not very legal. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's sanctions put against people that develop the the powers that adepts can do yeah. so that they I mean, don't there's a reason why blood sport in the UCAS <laughs> is illegal Yes, because you know, the government doesn't want every single adept out there learning how to you know, put their fist through some guy's chest from a distance <laughs> from a distance <laughs> you know, or, and have or it only close. happen an hour later right 
they can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I guess last would be our face, the person that we have talking to everyone for us. I mean, you want to have somebody that can talk to people for you because you don't want your fighter guy discussing doing your negotiations. You don't want them doing your uh, your legwork. You don't want them doing your uh, social networking or... Social networking, yeah. All of those those social aspects of the game. Yeah. Fightor, really not want... very good at that. <laughs> right. You you don't want negotiations at the, the end of a gun. Right. And... Those are not negotiations. Those are interrogations. Yeah. And your... Your interrogator, your charismatic type person, could easily also be a magician. Your rigor could be a face. Your adept could be also be a samurai. I mean, right. everything can work together. I, they might not be very good at it, but there are magician hackers out there. Yeah, that Actually, they might not be the best. In the very first novel ever released, right? The never deal with a dragon. The main character had a data jack and found out that he was magically active. Uh, Sam Sam Vernier. Yes, I do believe. And uh, he. I read those years ago. <laughs> well, I'm actually reading it now. Oh. Uh, I've got it by my bed. It's uh. He's a Decker. I haven't got. He, I haven't seen him um, manifest his powers yet. But you know, I, kn- I know a little bit about it, and you know, he's he's not the best hacker. He's not the best magician, but he's learning how to do both as the exactly. story progresses, and it just makes him able to do so many things that it's it's just useful. The team I'm running with now doesn't really have a hacker, but their face is also a samurai their mystic adept is you know a magician adept kind of street samurai type person they're they've got a little bit of everything spread out in between characters so that not just one person can do everything but each person shines at one specific thing like you said because we all play this game for those moments when you can feel like a total badass they're there. Game masters need to really pay attention to the types of characters that the people in his group are playing. And want to play. And want to play. Because what that does is that tells them if everybody's kind of playing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, don't throw the cyber zombie at them. Yeah. Because he will kill the the group. And, and if not... there's a bunch of mages, you don't want to throw a bunch of drone riggers at them. Right. Throw throw mystical things at them, right. and they will eat it up. And yeah, totally pay attention to what your what your players are playing. And, and you will but that's develop... that's more of a GM section. Let's hold it off is... on that. Okay, I'll hold. That's on. not a very good segue. That's a bad segue. That's a bad. <laughs> But when you're when you're building characters, it's nice to build them together. But it's nice the way the way I did it. Most of my players haven't played Shadowrun or don't know the rules behind it. So it's nice 
to be given a character that's built kind of for you. I mean, you know, ask if you guys have never played before, ask the GM if he'll either, you know, help a lot with the characters or even build the characters himself so that you can get into the game. And then later you'll have better idea of what you want to do. And when you're building your characters, you want to work together and not, you know, you might have an awesome idea for a character, but if you don't tell your friends what that is, you know, let's say you want to play spawn and you don't tell your friends anything about that. You might have three other people come up with super badass street samurais that can do anything with a gun and there are no magician or hackers or faces. Yeah. You've made yourself completely obsolete because now you have to play something because right. If, if somebody comes to the, to your GM first and says, Hey, I've got this great idea. I want to play this. Right. And he says, Oh, that sounds awesome. Let's go ahead and run with it. And then the next three guys behind him, are all wanting to play the same thing. It's like, well, yes, you can do that. There's a place for it. Right. But it's not going to be a traditional Shadowrun game. Right. And if if you have... Things like that. Yeah. And if you have someone that wants to be a face, have... Try to get somebody else to throw in a little bit of that so that you have backups. You don't want to let everyone focus so much on one thing that they become so specialized that they can only do their chosen profession. Like how most people don't play with Deckers in most Shadowrun editions because that's all they can do. Well, it was more than just that's all they can do. If that's all they can do, you have to focus on that. Right. When it took an hour to, you know, do a matrix run, there was, there were other problems. Yes, but that ended up being you had to focus on that. If you had, whereas if you had a street samurai with a little bit of decking skills, you could simplify it so much for them. Right. Well, it could actually be useful because they can also do other things. You don't have to let them shine on the one thing that's going to take 10 hours. Right. You can, yeah, you can definitely make those, you know, those awesome moments, spread them around a little easier. And you want to, you want to have characters that can work together. If everyone, you know, if you have a, a racist against elf character, Uh, I forgot the exact flaw name or negative quality name. You have somebody racist. Yeah, you have somebody with that and four elves in your team, you're not going to get along very well with them. I mean, you you need to work with your team to kind of coexist because if you can't coexist with your team members on a basic level, how would they've become a team? You need to kind of come up with a yeah, little bit of backstory behind why you want to do everything. Yeah, you have to have a rational reason why you know, some of these people would get together. And that's, that is definitely a character creation. One of the, that's one of the, the great things about group character creation over uh, void. Right. 
character creation where you just do it in your own little world and you come to the table with, you know, 45 pages of backstory that you've written and, you know, that really just kills it because you've been playing the game for 45 pages rather than playing the game at the table. Right, and and then you run into the problem of, yes, you can start the game right then because everybody worked on their characters individually, but and that's good because you can start playing and the main goal of the game is to play, but it's also bad because you're going to have such a awkward team that you might not be able to do anything, whereas if you're creating the characters all together, yeah, you'll have a better team composition, but you're not going to play that day. I mean, it's just not going to happen. No, not unless you've got, like, you know, six hours right. and to game, and I don't know too many people that do. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And you're right. lonely. Yeah, you'd only get a couple of, you know, maybe so, two hours out of that. So jumping almost to the GM section, you know, really you figure out a, a way in between or just make, you know, knowing what they like, make a character that will fit, you know, will, will suit them. Yeah, totally. I I could not agree more. You you know, if, if you're not sure what you want to play, you know, even just saying, hey, you know, I don't really know what I want to play and, and pitching it to your right to your GM saying, you know, I don't know how to do this. I don't really my wife is notorious for this. <laughs> she she loves gaming, but man, she hates character creation. Right. And so a lot of times she'll come to me and go, Okay, you know the rules. Right. Make me a character that I'll enjoy. Well, my mom wanted to play because me and my friends all played and she's she's very, very cool kinda kinda mom. And she said, I wanna play and we said, Okay, what do you want to play? She said, I don't know, I wanna be like Barbie. I wanna have everything. So, <laughs> so we came Barbie. We came up with uh, a street samurai type idea that she had she had cars and guns and flamethrowers and all kinds of crazy stuff and she she enjoyed it because she could you know, she was a tricked out kind of Barbie and she didn't know what to play. We were playing and I have to say maybe twenty times GM said, Okay, roll your perception and she said Perception, what's that again? Yeah. Or then later on she said, That's intelligence, right? Because, you know, she didn't know the rules, but she didn't have to know the rules. We knew them for her and it's that's a good way to get somebody that doesn't know how to play to play, give them a character that they know, you know, let's say they know star Wars well, and they like star Wars, give them, you know, Obi-Wan or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Basically blatantly rip it off. Yeah. Take a character, you know, and like, and try your hardest to play it. I mean, my group has come up with almost anything we've ever thought of. If you look, if you look at work at it long enough, you know, eventually you'll come up with a way to make it more balanced. But hell, you know, give them, 
give them whatever they want and you know try to get whatever you want but know that if you know you get this really super cool thing that you want well it might not exactly work the way you want nor will it be free i was going to say yeah if it, and this kind of goes into that whole gm section as well if you give somebody in your group something that you feel is a little overpowered find a way to make it bite him in the ass you know nothing is free in Shadowrun right we had a we had a character that could teleport but uh, going using Shadowrun 3rd edition rules it was uh, I think a 12D for drain and it's that would be about the same as a, you know, a 12 or 15 uh, damage value drain that was physical. Yeah. And yeah. You know, he had to do it twice. Once to open the portal and once to, cl- once to get to the destination. It was two separate kinds of spells. So he knew that he could do anything he wanted. He could teleport anywhere he needed and get away from anything he wanted. But he knew that if he did it, there was a very good chance that he was going to die. Yeah. I mean, it's... I want to say it was... Maybe it was a 10D. But still, it was it was physical and enough to kill him if he didn't burn all of his karma or edge in 4th edition. So you gotta... You know... You can theoretically, you can get the GM to do anything you want to for you, but know that if you do, it's not uh, not always going to work out. Free ride. Yeah, it's not always going to work out exactly. Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. You might get everything you want and then some more. Yeah, (laughs) I've definitely seen that one happen before. Do you want to take a break and? Jump over to the to the GM, GM section. I think this is a good stopping place, and uh, let's go ahead and do that. Well, folks, we're going to keep this one a little bit short. We're going to split it up into two parts. This is part one. Part deux shall be released in a few days. I've got to finish up the editing and get this thing into the feed. But until then, if you want to, you can contact us at hiddengrid at gmail.com or you can get on our forums at www.hiddengrid.com slash forums. Please come by and tell anybody that you know that's interested in Shadowrun what we're doing here and let's try to build us a great community, folks. And remember, conserve ammo Shoot straight and never, ever.